everybody. Welcome back to PT Tech Talk Podcast. This is episode 44, and I am one of two co-hosts. My name is Dave Kittle, and I'm a physical therapist and founder CEO of Initial. And Initial is a secure HIPAA-compliant texting application for patient provider and patient front desk communication, focusing on refilling open appointment slots tomorrow or Monday. That's on your schedule. <laughs> so check out Vinitial.com for more and as always here at PT Tech Talk, I am joined by my co-host, Rob Vining. Rob Vining is a physical therapist and the founder of PT Live. And PT Live is a live chat box on your practice's website for prospective patients and consumers to ask questions and learn more about your practice before they were to come visit or call in to schedule an evaluation. So check out ptlive.me. That's www ptlive.me for more about that. Now tonight, we are going to be covering telehealth licensure compact for physical therapists. There are currently 10 states in the U.S. that have enacted legislation and is actually signed. And Rob and I, we're going to get into as far as how legit this is and, and who of the 10 states across the country, who's in it, who's not out, uh, who's out and who's kind of on the fence. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to say what's up to my co-host, Rob. Rob Vining, what's up, man? Oh, it's been a couple of weeks, man, but I'm excited about this. I guess a lot has happened in a couple of weeks. Just in the in general, the whole tech scene in physical therapy, I've seen um, the Two Nobodies podcast did that one about um, VR physio. Excellent yeah, podcast. I knew you'd love that one. Yeah, suggest that everybody listen to that. That's pretty interesting. Um, we've got um, Darwin, little sneak peek, uh, Darwin vote with um we've got he's got a few things going on right now so he's got the physio software right um, pure PT um it's uh, what else is going on with them I think there's there was prehab that, there was a prehab yeah, one yeah, yeah prehab so prehabpt.com that just came out May first um what else is there's just so many things going on right now I feel like that the wheels, the flywheel is starting to actually turn and that people are starting to actually go, oh, this is a this is a real thing. And investors are starting to jump in and all kinds of uh all kinds of different things are going on right now. But what we're talking about tonight with the telehealth or just the the physical therapy licensure compact, Washington finally signed. So now we've got 10 states um, that are part of this licensure compact. Right. Um, so it's it should be pretty interesting, man. I'm excited to see. What are your thoughts about this straight off the bat? So first thing that comes to mind is I think about all the comments that I've read on Facebook uh, in different physical therapy groups where like maybe a patient is leaving the state or traveling or a physical therapist or a practice owner is relocating. And there's always some reason like that a comment will be posted about a practice owner mentioning, uh, oh, I have this patient or client that's traveling or they're moving away, but they want to stay with me and they want to continue to get some type of uh, education or treatment or just little check-ins and consults. Right. You know, how, how can I do that? How can I do that securely, you know, HIPAA compliant? And how can I do that using video? And people mention things like Skype because it's pretty mainstream and common for, for video or even FaceTime. Right. But that, that's the first thing that jumps out is like the ability to do that across state lines for somebody who it has a one license in one particular state and then that patient goes one or two states away and technically you wouldn't be able 
to provide any type of formal treatment to that individual right. who, who jumps state lines. And now, based on these 10 states that we're going to get into, in, within those 10 states, they will be able to do that via telehealth video. Right. Yeah, that's, it's exciting, man. That's going to create a whole different scenario of having a, uh, a physical therapy clinic that's not brick and mortar. So you're going to have, you know, maybe one, one business that creates a 10 state physical therapy virtual clinic right? where, you know, if somebody's in those 10 states, it's as easy as finding somebody who has, let's say back pain, or they're on Google typing in something for back pain. And maybe that virtual physical therapy clinic displays an ad saying, Hey, have pain in Oregon. And they can tell by your location with their IP address. They click that link, goes to the virtual physical therapy clinic. They get more information and then set up a video and uh, uh, something like a, a telehealth session. You can set that up almost immediately. So this will really open the doors to allow a company to come in and, and really start to do this right and hire people and scale this really fast, especially if you're wanting to do it cash pay versus insurance because insurance is still up in the up in the air and kind of on the fence about this. I still think Medicaid is the only thing that's widely accepted for telehealth instances in certain states. But if you do it cash pay, there's people out there that are willing to do it. I know because I did this a decade ago. So uh, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to possibly jump into this again. So we'll see. There you go. So, I mean, it, it makes a, a ton of sense, low overhead. So why wouldn't, you know, somebody check this out? You know, as Rob and I know, it's only going to be for owners and PTs and physical therapists who are innovative. The laggards are not even going to be interested in this. They're not even going to listen to this episode. They're not even going to care. They probably don't even, you know, listen to podcasts in general. So they're not even listening to this. Anyway, so, hey, did we mention the 10 states yet? Let's just jump in right to that. No, no, we didn't mention those 10 states. You want me to do it? Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So you've got Washington, Washington State. That was the last one that kind of sealed the deal with the, uh, the governor of Washington signing off that allowed the, the tele, the physical therapy licensure compact to go forward. Cause they had to have 10 States. So we have Washington, Oregon licensed in both those States, ding, ding winner. So I'm very happy with that. <laughs> Montana, North Dakota, Utah, Arizona, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Mississippi. So um, let's see. And then it says five states, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas have seen compact legislation approved in one legislative chamber so far. And then another three, Illinois, Florida, and New Jersey, they've introduced legislation. So you have, if people hurry and everybody gets on board really fast, we could have up to 18 states if my math is right. I got into the medical field. Correct, carry the one, you got it. Okay, good, there you go. So we've got 18 states that could be a part of it, 10 states that are definitely a part of it right now. And they're kind of fast-tracking this to provide some sort of benefits um, by next year. So 2018. So that's, I mean, usually these things are a lot slower moving. Not this one. This one is fast-tracked. You can tell that everybody's in place. I wish I could actually, we should probably have somebody on that is the, that's spearheading this. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, we should. There was there was a mention of somebody at the FSBPT, like the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy, in that right. article. And we'll post that article in the show notes, and we'll post it in the Facebook Live comments. So, right. anyone that catches the replay, this they'll be able to check that out. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm I'm interested to not only see how it goes, but I, I want to see what the uh, almost want the underbelly of all of this because somebody's organized. Somebody has a lot of uh, a lot of lines out and they're doing it right because this is going fast this is probably the fastest thing i've ever seen on a sub national level but in so the government ever yes, at all exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's like the do government you th- Rob, do you think real quick do you think it's just because of accessibility you know to to be accessible to more patients and help more people like you know, like you just said like kind of like what's the underbelly like who who would be benefiting uh and obviously there needs to be economics and and all those types of things to be understood and, and communicated. So it can't just be right. like are more practices, more organizations, more associations going to benefit as well. Are, are the, are the providers going to benefit? Like, is it, or is it just, I mean, hopefully it could be, be something where it's like just the patients are benefiting and that's the right. main point. Is there some other thing going on? Yeah, I would say probably there's some sort of lobbying going on with, um, but I don't know. That's it's it's all coordinated. So it's ten states. So it, uh, you know, there's no central lobbying location for each state. I mean, if there's ten of them, maybe there's one little lobby group for this compact that's running around state to state and lobbying or doing something right. Um, I don't know. I I know that it's going to be of benefit to uh, physical therapy practices that start to implement this type of stuff. Like I was saying, um, uh, so you've got better PT. That's another thing that just is is coming to the forefront right now. So I know Better PT is going to start doing um, almost concierge services right now um, where they have people in New York City. So it's in your neck of the woods. Shout so out New York. What's uh-huh. up? They're, they're looking to start in New York City. And uh, I've had a conversation with them as well. And they're going to spread pretty rapidly or pretty much as fast as they can and then do a patient side push to where they offer patients the ability to have that concierge service um, in states where they have physical therapy or physical therapists registered with them as well. So it's, it's going to be pretty interesting, man. Um, what else? What else? Hey, I have a quick question for you, Rob. Yeah. What do you got? So you mentioned you have a license currently in Washington and Oregon. Yep. If somebody else is listening to this podcast and if they, if they had a license just in Washington, does that mean that they, via telehealth as a physical therapist, could not conduct a physical therapy consult or treatment session with a patient in Oregon because they don't have a license in Oregon? I just want to clarify that. As far as I know, that's the case. Um, it's it's similar with you can't really cross state lines. I'm wanting to say that I've heard just from being here that there are instances where you're allowed to cross states for some reason or another. But yeah, I, I, think be, I, I would like honestly be, I, I, I think there might be something to do with that, but I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, as it stands right now, what I'm sure of is that you can't really treat across state lines, even with telehealth. Um, so I know so that there, we previously talked about the, like almost like the universal licensure, which would be like, mm-hmm. if you had, if you were a physical therapist and you had a license in, in Washington, there was a separate conversation about a, almost like a, compact so that you could have like easy reciprocity to go to like leave Washington and go to Oregon. Right. 
and not have to like reapply for a new license, right? I think so. Um, I think that was underway. I think it was something that was being pushed at the national level, but nothing had come about it yet. So this would, I mean, this would go really well right along the same lines. So if they're looking for something to push at the national level, they can just show that this licensure compact is coming together already with or without the federal government because states can, uh, states can decide to do whatever they wish with licensures. So in this case, you've got 10 states that are saying, yes, we agree that these people can uh, coordinate and treat across state lines with um, uh, no negative side effects, no, no, no consequences. So I don't know. It, it seems like it's, it's quite a, it's, it's quite an accomplishment to get states to say it's okay for PTs not to have to pay us money just to be licensed in our state. And yeah, granted, it's not a ton of people who are trying to go across state lines, get another and and get another license. So it's not like it's a huge amount of money that the state will miss out on, but it is going to save therapists a lot of time and effort from, you know, trying to push And I know California specifically, I didn't see California in that list, but wow, apparently uh, from what I've heard, California is pretty tough to actually get a license um, as somebody that wants to travel there and, you know, do some home health or do anything in another state. California is apparently one of the tougher ones to get into. So it'd be good if, uh, if they jump on board there. Yeah. You'd think they'd be a little bit more progressive being like the, you know, Silicon Valley tech hub. Right. I, right. I know California has a lot of um, employee protections, right? So like not just unions, but also like in, in regards to how like the Uber drivers have been treated and things like that with compensation and, right. and uh, you know, if they're considered full-time employees or, you know, yeah. W2s or 1099 contractors and all that. But right. Yeah. Right. No, you're right on that. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but uh, I hope they get on. That'd be great. I, I, that would really allow, um, different companies to come in and say, okay, Texas is on board or they're going to be on board already. You get Texas and California and was New York in that list? Was I seeing something wrong? They, they were not. No, New Jersey has introduced, has introduced legislation. Yeah. New York is not on here. So yeah, I mean, you would, yeah, if you get New York, California and Texas all on board, that's huge. I mean, that's going to be something where, you know, somebody can really build a big telehealth business just going from those three states alone. But, um, and just the referrals itself, I think that was another topic that we were going to touch on. Um, the referrals with, uh, I don't know as much about this, but didn't you said that there's, um, a, uh, another interstate compact with, with medical profession or medical doctors as well? Yes. Okay. And I think that's got a total of 18 states as well, right? That was that was 18 member states for physicians. So similar type of thing with telehealth in their practice across state lines. Yeah. Let me see if I can pull up those states. <clears throat> Let's see. It looks okay. like physicians in Alabama, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Huh. And other states include South Dakota, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Minnesota, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Vermont, and Mississippi. Yeah, I'm looking at that same article now too. Yeah. 
So it's got another eight, Washington, Michigan, Nebraska, Rhode Island, Washington, D.C., Tennessee, Georgia, and Texas. They've all introduced legislation. So it's coming. Right. If legislation is in all of these states and we already have 10 states for the physical therapy side, we have 18 states on the medical doctor's side. I think I saw another um, mention in the article that was talking about um, 26 states are coming together to have a uh, nurse's licensure compact. So this is, it's going to be pretty rapid. I don't think this is uh, something that's going to be a, several years away. I think by the end of this year, we could have some good legislation um, to push. I'm wondering, I'm really wondering now if there's something that's, that's in that bill that passed this week in the house about restructuring or doing something with the uh, affordable care act. I'm wondering if they're going to slide something in there for telehealth or try to yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to keep our, our eyes peeled on that because usually um, there's all kinds of stuff thrown in there. <laughs> there. There's so much, there's so much that can go on. Yeah, exactly. And then you right. have to kind of really dig into the details to see if right. anything is being included or excluded. Right. Yeah. That'll be interesting, but it's only, I'm sure that the, uh, the bill that they're, they've passed through the house, it's probably only, you know, 1500 pages to read through, if not a couple <laughs> thousand of pages, you know, just some, just some light nighttime in bed reading, just flicking through the pages there. I'm sure that will be easy. If they released a PDF of it, that'd be great. I would just control F and type in telehealth and look for anything that there is. It's probably online somewhere. I'm guessing. I feel like I'm all you know, over this, man. It's like my brain is thinking of all the different situations that could come about because of this. Uh, it's well, that, that's what I was just going to jump in and say is like, which just popped into my head is like, this is like the next step of healthcare consumerism. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes online and they look up shoes on Zappos and... I've had people, I've had people tell me this, that they go on Zappos, they purposely pick out a pair of shoes that they like, they get a size, you know, that's their size and they'll get, they'll order a size that's above or below that. So they get two boxes of shoes shipped to their house and Zappos has like the free return policy. And then they send back the pair of shoes that doesn't, that doesn't fit Uh like that, that whole like ability to just have control. And unfortunately it's not going to be, it might not be for everybody. Some depending on socioeconomic status, it might not be for everybody. Right. But I really think this could be the next step for almost like, instead of like a second opinion, it's like a pre opinion. Like it's like a, an opinion before you even go into an office, it could be. Yep. So yep. I really think it's really, really, there's so many possibilities mm-hmm. that we can kind of talk about, but it really makes sense to fit the the dynamic of the consumer these days. Yeah. Do you think that it's going to start by um, like people have said before in the telehealth world um, that it, it, you have to have your first visit in clinic? No, which, no, definitely not. Yeah. No. You, you think it's going to skip I right mean, over that to the point of direct telehealth and that's it? it I, I think it's going to be every possible scenario. So whether it's I'm a patient and I, and I hear about, a physical therapist named Rob Vining. Mm-hmm. I want to connect with him because maybe I have a busy schedule and I want to connect with him first and maybe I have to pay a little bit extra, but it's because I'm getting this one-on-one interaction and maybe I can send him, you know, securely, I can send him my medical records or my insurance card or something like that. And I get my first opinion from you. Maybe we do a movement screen. You have me go through, I don't know. Yeah. And then from there, maybe you route me to an office right. or, 
Or maybe if you were in New York City, maybe it would be the first visit is over telehealth to kind of see if it's a good fit. Maybe the patient, I think the patient is going to have more power than ever where they want to choose. Like if we, if we look up a new podcast on our phone, we might listen to the first episode and we're like, now this podcast is not for me. You delete it. You go to the next one. That is, that's as fast as I think it's how it's going to move. And it's going to be the first visit could be in office. And then every other visit might be telehealth. I think there's going to be every scenario that's going to, I think that's going to roll out that way. Yeah. And especially if we're looking at, maybe even um, concierge service where you actually can go to the patient's house. That's surprising in the last five years, how many businesses I've seen that are um, direct to the patient's house for an outpatient, not just a home health setting. I'm talking for an outpatient injury. And that is very attractive to a certain, uh, a certain section of patients in the patient population. They want people to come to them. I mean, because who wants to sit in traffic? Honestly, we all have to be realistic at some point in time and realize that the patient's time is extremely valuable as well. So one physical therapy visit, you have to round trip that in large cities and large metropolitan areas. You might have a three hour block that you have to take out of your day to get in the car, go to a physical therapy clinic, sit there, get in your time, get your hour long treatment, and then drive back. It's three hours. And if you're going three times a week, that's nine hours you know, almost double digit hours. And then to do homework on top of that, that's a lot of dedication. I'm not even that dedicated in the gym. I mean, to tell you the truth, (laughs) that's why I got a a, a home gym that I work out here is because I like saving time. I like it being right where I want it to be, just downstairs. That's it. I want to be able to go. I feel like working out and go downstairs, done. I got it. So that's what we have to realize that the patient population, if we want to expand our profession, like we've talked about going from that, you know, what is it? 7%, right? We see 7% of people with musculoskeletal injuries. We can expand that, but we have to do it with the convenience factor in mind. That's why. That's the only way we're going to be competitive going forward. Yeah, exactly. You you were going to say Uber? I was saying that's how, that's why Uber works so well. That's why Uber can go in and completely ignore city regulations and just blanket the city with people using Uber left, right, and center. And then when the city comes down on them and says, no, we're going to kick them out and you have an outcry. I mean, that's just their model. It's, it's the, what do they say? It's ask for forgiveness later or something like that. Um, Oh yeah. What's that saying? (laughs) Be, be active and ask for forgiveness later. Something like that. Anyway, it's yeah, yeah. not, it's not the Facebook thing of uh, move fast and break things. It's not like that, but it's a, it's a similar way. Basically you just start the process and then let the, the regulations and stuff come to you and then let your customers have the outcry for you so that you just go, it's people in your town. They, they want us here. So it's, it's a smart move. And I think we can't really do that in the health industry. <laughs> we all have licenses that could be yanked. Um, but with this licensure compact, it's really going to open up the way for the development of new platforms like strictly telehealth or telehealth in combination with clinic visits or telehealth in combination with clinic visits and home visits. So any of those three things, it's, it's realistic and it's going to be there quick. And if anyone's asking in this article, they did not cover or mention any 
insurance reimbursement. So of course, there's always that option, like Rob mentioned earlier in the episode about setting your own prices and doing it, you know, a cash pay basis and just kind of paying for the paying at the time of service. And, you know, depending on your uh, credit card, your credit card processing and some EMRs might have payments in it, but you could just do, you know, the, the payment at that time of service or, um, I know Darwin Fote with Physio that his platform that he uh, helps practice owners to check that out. That his practice owners and customers, there's like a GT modifier, and it's just going to depend on the the insurance in your state and ask you know your your insurance representative if they will pay and cover and reimburse that. But right. that article doesn't mention anything about insurance reimbursement, so we can't even get into like how much would they reimburse for you know, is it units or, you know, right. two units or three units or four units, you know, or one unit or right. what is it, you know? Yeah. And I was talking to, um, uh, Brandon, you said the last name earlier, Brandon. I'm sorry, man. I'm completely. I'm Pone? A, yes. Brandon Pone. Yeah. Uh, so and Brandon, talking, I hope I pronounced that correctly. If not, yeah, let Brandon, me know. let us know if we're pronouncing it wrong, man. Um, we were discussing yesterday, just the fact that um, some new things that are going to come about. So let's say that you're running a telehealth clinic or you're seeing a patient via telehealth. What's to stop a clinical internship from being uh, 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 a student shadowing you while you're treating a patient online? So maybe they could get a complete buffet of different therapists that they're able to watch and they have to log so many hours of watching treatments via telehealth. Um, that could, oh, that would just be amazing because then you wouldn't be limited to, you know, the three or four different clinical settings that's your, almost like a roll of a dice. You know, you get to see one person treat for, you know, six or eight weeks and you're kind of given their theories of what they think and how they treat. If you were able to shadow somebody doing telehealth treatments, you've got a whole wide variety of people doing, you know, McKinsey based or, um, uh, just pain science-based treatments, right. anything. You can actually expand your horizons and expand your, your wealth of knowledge that you've gained from your clinical internships just by watching multiple people doing telehealth visits. So I think that will definitely improve, I'd say, the students coming out because they have a better idea of everybody treats differently. And I like this, and I'm pulling that piece out, and I like how this guy does that. So I think it'll help the uh, student population as well. For sure. And one thing that David Grigsby mentioned when he was here on a, on the podcast with us, when we interviewed him about, he finds it interesting and challenging for him as a physical therapist. And he's an owner of a clinic in, in Tennessee that he, when he does the telehealth consults, he has to challenge himself to kind of verbalize and have, certain things conveyed over like a medium where you can't rely on physical touch and palpation. Right. Yep. So you kind of have to have a, you got to kind of tweak your skill set, and you have to do it in a way that, you know, like a movement screen and kind of get creative about your descriptions of what, you know, in your questions and you're listening, but then what types of things you want to have the patient do right. and why and how, you know, change forces or postures or positionings with what they might be doing during your treatment or your evaluation. And I thought that was so clever and interesting for him to mention that right. because yeah, you would have to have a different kind of preparation and, and a different approach to that. 
Right. Yeah. You can't depend on, oh, my hands, these are the magic things that fix everybody. You know, you have to actually listen to the patient. And that's, that's going to be the key. You're going to find that people, and like we had stated a long time ago when we were discussing um, during our telehealth podcast, what was that episode? Oh, geez, man. Long time ago, maybe 15, 14, somewhere like that. I can look it up and find it. But we had discussed that it's going to be quite a shift because the people that know technology the best um, is basically going to be the people that are not as good at it. You know what I mean? So you've got your new students coming out. Yeah, they're well-versed in technology, but they don't have the experience, not to say that they're worse, but they just don't have the communication that a, a decade uh, a veteran PT is going to talk to a patient and be able to figure out, oh, this patient said X, Y, and Z. I know what that means, you know, and they know the little points to dig into further and not depend on their hands, but depend on interactions and communications with the patient directly. So it'll be pretty interesting to talk about that in the future too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, I thought, I think this was a really, really fun you know, time to jump on and, and discuss all these changes, Rob. And I'm really pumped to be, you know, doing this podcast, putting out some content around the, you know, the technology that is actually going to be pushing the profession forward yep. as opposed to us kind of just hoping and praying that some of our technology and, and the technology in general will actually be enacted and, and, you know, help and reach patients. So this is something that is clearly going to be reaching patients and, and helping patients. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be an interesting time. I'm talking two years from now. If we go back to this episode and we look at it, we're probably so underestimating the impact it's going to have. Just like, you know, Uber and Lyft took the world by storm because it was convenient and it was something that people just didn't have access to before. So it's going to be the exact same way. Uh, just not even in the medical field, just everything is going to start being on demand. And this just is finally looks like there's a, uh, a crack in the dam and it's going to break soon. So uh, be ready for it. Yeah, for sure. And I know you got some things maybe uh, on the side for potential telehealth. So uh, if anyone wants to reach out and, and ask us any questions or uh, even to Rob, because Rob's got some ideas to potentially get some things going. So if you're really interested in telehealth and even, you know, more so if you are in one of those states that uh, we just mentioned earlier today in the podcast, go ahead and shoot Rob a note. I'm sure he would welcome it. Rob at ptlive.me. And uh, you can always reach me, Dave at Vinitial.com for email. And um, we'd always like to hear any comments, questions, or, uh, you know, whether it's technology topics such as telehealth and how, if you find a link or something like that, send it over and, and maybe we'll, you know, make a, an episode about it. And uh, let us know if there's any other people that are in the profession that are in healthcare using technology, leveraging technology. And if you think they're a good candidate to get on the podcast, hey, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Especially if there's anybody that knows who is spearheading this physical <laughs> therapy licensure compact? Please let Dave or I know. Oh, wait, I thought it was you, Rob. No, no, not me. Not me. Maybe secretly, but no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Awesome. Well, hey, for everyone that hung around and listened on the Facebook Live and uh, this podcast now on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I usually say iTunes first. Yeah. Go ahead and subscribe there. iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud. And uh, you can always catch the live episodes 
on Facebook Live of our podcast. So for everyone that hung around and listened, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you for your uh, ability to engage and, uh, and comment and give us feedback. We really, really appreciate it. So for Rob and I here at PT Tech Talk, I'm Dave Kittle. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.